This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Vic, and you're listening to another episode here on the Mindful Experiment. Every week, we share an interview, someone that we discussed, had time to share some space with, where they share their wisdom, their knowledge, their experiences, their stories, to help us grasp a deeper understanding of life, to see the lens, see the view of life from the, their own lens, and help us level up in our own life and everything that we do. In this week, I had the honor and pleasure of interviewing Joy Soto, and we had a great Great deep discussion. We discussed discussed a lot about uh, being a dolphin trainer. What does that mean? What she learned from that, and so much more. How she was a cancer survivor. What did that mean to her, and what that helped her uplift in her life, and how it helped her really transform her life to what she's doing today, and so much more. And it was really a joy to dive in and uh, just her name, Joy. You're going to get a lot of that from this episode, and it's just a great interview that I'm excited to share with you guys. To dive deep, Joy is a keynote speaker who inspires audiences with her story of perseverance. She followed her dream to become a dolphin trainer at SeaWorld San Diego. After that, Joy pursued another dream by going to film school to become a filmmaker. Then at 25, she found the lump on her throat. That's when she found out she had an aggressive form of cancer. Joy made a documentary on her journey with the hope of showing a story of survival, just one year, a story of triumph over cancer. 
Her documentary went on to win several awards at film festivals. She returned to SeaWorld and started a program for kids treated at Randy Rady's Children's Hospital that brings them in the water to meet a dolphin. Joy has spoken at TEDx and most recently published her memoir entitled Joy, the Story of a Dolphin Trainer, Filmmaker, and Cancer Survivor. Joy recently appeared as a guest on The Zig Ziglar Show. What a great story she has. What a great inspiration she is in sharing her story, her documentary through the process, and so much more. With no further ado, here is Joy Soto. Joy, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, I'm very intrigued and excited to hear about your story, but more importantly, sharing it with the listeners and how you triumph, triumph over that and so much more. So uh, I can't wait to dive into that. But before we do, um, can you share your story, how you got into what you're doing and so much more? Sure. Well, what I've, I'm doing, it basically started with my passion for animals and um, the ocean and going to school for a degree in psychology and realizing I wasn't cut out to actually talk to people, <laughs> you know, like on that level. Um, and I started, then that's when I started my journey with animal training and I became a dolphin trainer at SeaWorld. I worked there for a while and then I ended up going to film school because I had another passion, which was filmmaking. And so I started film school. And then it was shortly afterwards that I found out that I had cancer, which led me on this kind of wild journey. And um, so all of this kind of, it started there with that passion for animals, but it came back full circle when I was done being sick. And when I finally found my way, which took a while, um, and then I was able to return to SeaWorld and create a program for kids who have cancer. So that's kind of how it all happened. That's awesome. I mean, I mean, not awesome to have cancer, but what you're doing with, you know, helping kids out with cancer uh, and, and so forth. What would you say going through that experience, being a cancer survivor, what is one of the things that was the greatest lesson that you grasped from that? From being a cancer survivor? Uh, you know what? I mean, I think it's always life is short. You don't know how much time you have. So just do as much as you can while you're here. Because you know, I think a lot of times we go, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that tomorrow. It gets put on a list of our to-do lists, you know, and it gets pushed back or we'll watch a Netflix movie and, and we all do it. And then, you know, months and months have passed. And, and the truth is we don't know how much time we have. So anything can happen. And in fact, I wrote this book a long time ago, but then it just stayed in my computer and I didn't make that final push to get it out until my husband's uncle suddenly passed away last August. So it was a year ago that he passed away. And it just, again, because I think we all, you know, we might have those moments of life is short and I got to go do this. And then, you know, it goes away. So that hit me again, how short life is. And so I decided to just make that final push to get the book out. And that was that, you know, so that, that was my biggest thing that I've learned is that life is short and just give it all you've got while you're here. I love that. Yeah. I believe that, you know, my experiences and things that I, I, I've gone through, it's like death is always a great reminder to know mortality, right. To know that there's a limited time we have and we don't know when, you know, we're all on that same path, but we just don't know how long that path is. And, and it gives us that opportunity to be like, okay, what are the real things I want to do and share and have and the value, like looking at all the things you want to do and be like, okay, I need to get this going and get this moving ASAP. Yes, absolutely. Love that. And so then you came out, you wrote the book before and, and, and it never came out and then or you, didn't, you didn't finalize it. And now you have, so I love the title of it, Joy. Um, 
why the title? What, 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 what bring, <laughs> I always love asking titles, like like titles, and then I'll have a couple other questions about books. But we'll go. We'll start with there. Okay. Well, honestly, the title I had it as one title for a long time, <laughs> um, and then it changed, and then it was another title for a long time, and then at the very end, I'm like, this doesn't work anymore because I I would I went through and edited it, and I had to cut out certain chapters, you know, to make it the best it could be. So it's all you know the best parts of it, and. Um, and so when I cut those chapters out, then it didn't make sense anymore. So I asked my husband, who's really good with this. And he said, joy, how about just joy? <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, that works. I love my name anyway. And I think it fits because, you know, just finding the joy in life, even when things are difficult and it's, it's an important thing that we all need to learn how to do. I love how it's, you know, it's your name also, but what I love about the word joy is that it's like, uh, like happiness is more of an external thing, right? Because you can be happy right now. Then I can give you a piece of information that will totally change that happiness. Correct. Absolutely. Yes. But joy, no matter what happens, you, you stay in that state. Like there's nothing that influences it in any way. Yeah. I almost wonder if the name has influenced my personality because I, every time someone meets me, they say, oh, your mom did a great job naming you because you are joyful. Um, So I wonder if I'd had a different name, if I would have had a bit of a different personality, you know, if there was any influence there with my name being Joy. There is some, uh, I wouldn't say research, I would say data. I guess there's a little bit of research Um, that kind of supports a little bit because we look at like, because names have a meaning and what we like, just like stories in life, right? How we describe things with words um, create, create the, the experience in a sense. And it's just like, my name's Victor. And it's, it's funny. My, my wife will always be like, yeah, no matter what you do, you're going to be victorious in what you do. Like you're, you're going to go oh, nice. and, and, and conquer that. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's my, I, I've done that all my life. And then I, you know, as I, when I started getting in the words and studying, I'm like, how much does Victor name have an influence in that? Cause there has to be a role in there in some way, shape or form. Yeah. That's really neat. I like that. But yeah. So when, when, when it comes, I, I got one question about dolphins. I'm a huge fanatic about dolphins. I think they're, well, they're, they're, they're just to help me uh, make sure I'm correct on this. Dolphins are humans, best friends in the ocean, correct? Uh, <laughs> oh, sure. Folklore. I mean, I, I don't know. That's, <laughs> it's like in cartoons and stuff. Uh, no, but yeah, that's, you know, we've heard those stories, but those are more stories than, than anything. But um, yeah, I've, I've heard the stories too. If, if there are dolphins around, then the sharks aren't around, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, no, dolphins are incredible creatures. It was the best experience of my life to work there with the dolphins and also the people because the people were incredible too. Um, but all the dolphins have different personalities. So some are fast learners, some are slow learners. And then you had to find out what each animal likes. And obviously they all like fish. That's a no brainer. <laughs> but there's a lot of other things. So some might want to play with a basketball and that, you know, you see them dribble underwater, which is really cool. Or one of my favorite dolphins, she loved ice. So I, I would go do a training session with her and, you know, we don't always plan things out beforehand, you know, what kind of reinforcements we'd give them. And so I would get a big bucket of ice and put it right next to me. And so if I'd asked her to do something and then she did a really, really good job, I would dump in the bucket of ice and she would just come over really fast, stop on a dime, and then just start munching on the ice. And you could hear her vocalizing, just really, really excited about it. I mean, it was just, and then forget it. Less, the rest of the session was done because that's all she would do. <laughs> just eat the ice. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was incredible working with all of the animals and seeing their personalities. 
what would you say is something that you took from that experience and learning and working with them that you apply to life or uh, achieving aspirations, things like that? Yeah, success of approximations, which means small steps is a behavioral term that we use. It's So whenever we train the animals, we use positive reinforcement. So you reinforce what you want to see happen again, and you ignore what you don't want to see happen again. It's super easy. And um, to get any sort of big behavior, you have to, it's just like with goals with us, you know, you envision what you want for that behavior uh, or for that goal. And then you break it down into small baby steps to get there. And so you make it really easy at first. And then once they get that, then you build on it a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, and then before you know it, they're doing this some incredible behavior. So I've, I've, I think that's something that everyone can use is just knowing that when you set a big goal, that you need to break it down into smaller goals, attainable goals that you can get along the way and get those wins. And then that will lead you to that bigger success down the way. How much I have, you know, I also have parents who listen to this podcast too. And it's uh, curious to know how much does that work with children? Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> that I remember someone saying that the best parents are animal trainers because they know the positive reinforcement and how that works. Because I think a lot of times we get to a point where we start butting heads with our kids. Um, but it's like, if you're trying to force them to do something or like push them in a certain direction, that's not going to work. Same thing with animals. That's not going to work. You have to figure out what's going to motivate them to do it. Um, and, and kind of go off of that. So it's that positive reinforcement, which is huge to getting an animal, a human, anyone (laughs) to do something that you want them to do. So like, if you see them cleaning the room, then you give them some verbal praise or find, you know, give them something that they really like, Um, take them out for ice cream or whatever that target behavior it is, but make sure you reinforce all the good and really don't draw attention to the bad. That was a really big thing with us is if there's something that we didn't want to see happen again, you didn't do anything. You had to not draw any attention to it and just make sure you drew that positive attention to anything that you did want to see happen again. I agree extremely with that because I, uh, I'm a pediatric chiropractor. It's my day job of what I do. And I see 50% of my office is kids and um, I don't have children yet, but it's amazing how parents sometimes be like, how you're so good with kids and you know how to work with them. How is that? And I'm like, dog psychology. That's all I can tell you. Yeah. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I studied dog psychology like crazy. <laughs> uh, Cause we have a, we have a pit bull and you know, pit bulls get bad raps. And my wife and I were like, we are going to show people that it's how they're raised, not just the stipulation on them. And so we studied everything, worked with a ton of trainers, some internationally well-known. And I'm like, I want to learn how dogs work. And then it was a humbling experience because I learned all the mistakes of what I was doing as a former dog owner. And I'm like, wow, you really, and then like you were, I'm just, you know, reaffirming, uh, reassure, uh, reinforcing what you're saying is that, yeah, you, I, I didn't realize how like sometimes when they're whining at the table and I'm just like, oh, let me just give them attention just so they can yes. quiet worst thing you could do you're training them then that's a good thing and I was like crap I gotta like really work through this um but it's amazing it's amazing how that works in so many ways um so the book let's dive into a little bit what is so if someone you know looking at the book if you could title it or, or let's put it this way who did you write the book for I wrote the book for anyone that's going through a difficult time. So it deals with cancer. It deals with being left by a loved one when you think they're going to be there for you. It deals with being in the wrong relationship. It deals with 
finding your way in life and giving back. So there's a lot of different things, but my, I guess my main um, target audience would be people who are going through cancer, caregivers of those people going through cancer, because it gives you an idea of what that person is going through. And it also has, I mean, so many joyful moments in the book. Um, the book has my personality in it <laughs> because I am quirky and I look at the bright side of things. So um, it, it starts with me going to the hospital, but then it goes quickly goes into me taking the swim test to go to SeaWorld and, um, you know, how I miraculously pulled that off because I couldn't, I literally could not physically pass that test the day before. And somehow I was able to, to do it the next day. Um, so it was just my whole journey of, you know, being an animal trainer with the dolphins and then having my path in life derailed, which I think a lot of people can relate to now is, you know, with COVID and, and everything, it's like the whole world was de derailed. And so it deals with that and how I was derailed and how it took me a while, but I found my way back to where I was the happiest and where I was able to give back. So, I mean, I, it's just a full circle story. It's a wonderful story and people I've just gotten the best reviews from it. Um, people I don't know are contacting me and saying that they read it, they loved it. They're, they bought a copy for their friends so that they can read it too, um, who's going through cancer or or something else um, like that. Oh, and then the other cool thing is sometimes people will <laughs> just grab the book from a, a friend of mine said that she brought it. She's a hair salon. She works in a hair salon and she brought it into the hair salon because she wanted to take some photos with it. And then one of her coworkers took it and then started reading it, couldn't put it down and then uh, wouldn't give it back to her <laughs> until she was finished with it. So um, I, I think it really captures people. And uh, I, there's a lot of things that people can relate to, even if you haven't gone through cancer. But specifically, I wrote it for people who are going through cancer because this is a book that I want to read. It's like my Rocky story through cancer. There's so many stories that have the person who dies in the end, but the fact is that there are millions and millions and millions of survivors out there. And this is just one of those stories of survival. So I want to give people hope who are going through a difficult time. That's awesome. I love that. And when your life was derailed, when, when you were, when you had that cancer diagnosis and all that stuff, going through the hard times when you're sick, what helped you get through? What was like, did you have a mantra? Did you have a vision? Did you have, what was like, I always call it like, it's like an anchor, something that you hold on to. That's like, this is yeah. my why, this is my purpose. This is why I'm going to continue to move forward no matter what. Did you have that? What was that? How did that help? Uh, well, I have two things. One is the documentary. Cause I started making a documentary on myself when I was six, I'd been going to film school and then I decided to document everything in the hopes of showing a story of survival. So that was something that kind of pushed me along. But, but I think before that, what was really crucial is that I had been listening to this motivational speaker named Zig Ziglar. And um, I would like listen to his tapes all the time. I'd go for my walks and listen to the tapes. <laughs> and there was this one story of him going to the airport only to find out that his flight had been canceled. And he wanted to go home more than anything. He was tired, had been on a long trip, wanted to see his family. When he was told that his flight had been canceled, he said, fantastic. And the lady behind the counter said, sir, I just told you your flight's been canceled. Why are you telling me fantastic? And he said, well, I figure there's one of three reasons why that flight isn't taking off. He starts ta talking about all these reasons why um, it's good that his flight wasn't taking off. So there could be something wrong with that plane. There could be something wrong with the people flying that plane. There could be something wrong with the weather that plane will be flying in. If that's the case, 
I don't want to be up there. I want to be right down here. So he, he had this positive spin that he put on, on what was happening. And it's simple. It's not a big thing in life. You know, his flight was canceled. It's not the end of the world. But most of us would have a negative reaction to us. Most of us would be upset when we find out that our flight's been canceled, but he didn't. And, and he talks about how, you know, you have a choice in life. You can respond, which is positive, or you can react, which is negative. And he talks about how, you know, you can remember it by the doctor, you know, if you're responding to the medication, that's good. If you're reacting to the medication, that's bad. Well, it's the same thing in life. So you, you really have a choice in those moments when things just fall apart of whether you you respond or you react. And so when I was going through cancer, there was one moment, probably a week after I was diagnosed where I just got really upset and angry. (laughs) Um, and I was in a bad place. And at that point, the I had a tumor on my, like a lump basically on my throat that didn't, hadn't hurt at all. And that was one of the reasons why we knew that it was something bad because it didn't hurt. Well, all of a sudden when I was feeling that bad, it started to hurt. And that's when I remembered Zig Ziglar and his story about being stuck in the airport. And I thought if he can do that in the airport with his flight being canceled, I can do that with cancer. And then I started thinking of all of the reasons why I was grateful that I had been diagnosed. Um, so, I mean, it's really in life, it's, you can have anything happen to you, but it's your choice of how you respond or you react to it. And so thankfully I remembered that in the beginning and I took that throughout my cancer diagnosis. So every single day I would go through my grateful list just to change the way I was thinking about things. And then, so I wouldn't focus on the negative and I'd focus on the positive. And that was tremendous with getting me through it whole. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Before we dive back into the episode, I wanted to share just quickly from our sponsors for today's show. Hi there, and welcome to Wake Me Up, the podcast where morning people are made. I'm your host, Tyler. Wake Me Up is based on one simple fact. How you start your morning dramatically affects the rest of your day, both your productivity and your happiness. And Wake Me Up is designed to be a one-stop shop for a great morning. By using Wake Me Up and changing your morning routine, you can change your life. Instead of hitting the snooze button over and over or scrolling through a sea of negative news and judgy social media, just press play on an episode of Wake Me Up. You can even start every episode from bed if you want. Most episodes blend mindfulness and meditation, some simple yoga or stretching, and send you off with a motivational bit. If it's morning for you right now, go ahead and pick out an episode. If not, I'll talk to you tomorrow morning. And either way, I hope you have an absolutely fantastic day. All right, let's get back to the show here with the interview with Joy Soto. Good old Ziggy. I love that guy. Amazing. Um, It's powerful. The law of duality, right? There's one experience you have. There's a flip side to the other. There's always something, you know, you can, you can shift it just on your perspective of how you look at it. And it's, it's, but it it sometimes can be also very tough to do, right? Because sometimes in life, you're just like, like, let's say for a flight, let's say you're dying, can't wait to get home to see the family and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, your flight's canceled. What do you mean my flight's canceled? Come on, there's another flight. There's this, there's that. We get into that, what I, I talk a lot about resistance. And he was doing 
the opposite where he's in flow. Okay, great. That's fantastic. Probably, you know, there's something else or something's always working out for the best. So if we trust that most of the time it is. Yeah, I would totally agree. And then one other thing that he would say at the very end, and it's funny because I even had an interview with Zig Ziglar's son, Tom Ziglar. And when I brought this one up, he's like, oh, I I forgot about that part. I don't remember that. Um, Is at the very end of that speech, he would say that people would always ask him now, okay, I've heard about those positive thinkers, but come on, did you really feel that way? And he'd say, well, of course not, at least not initially. So it's like, we're all going to have that initial negative reaction, but then it's like, okay, we can turn it around in our head and we can make that choice to respond to that situation. So I don't want people to listen to this and think, oh yeah, to be a positive thinker all the time. Well, no, that's not it. You can you know, be upset, but then you have a choice of whether you continue to be upset or whether you respond to that situation. I've shared this many times before, but I I talk about Wayne Dyer. He was speaking one time and, you know, all the work that he has done. And it was interesting because he's like, oh, yeah, because somebody's like, oh, you get this. You're you're a master at this. He's like, no, I'm not. He goes, goes, come to my house and be with my kids. And one day he was talking about a story of how he couldn't find his keys. And he was getting so adamant. He was mad. He's like, who touched my keys? Someone moved my keys. And he's like, oh, Mr. Guru here getting upset. And they give him a hard time. And he would be like, he couldn't find him. And all of a sudden he, he, he got it. He calmed down, he reset and everything. Um, and he found out he put him somewhere, he located him somewhere else. And then they were, they gave him a hard time, but it was, it was a great story. Like you just shared, you know, not initially, I didn't, he, Zig didn't react that way initially, mm-hmm. uh, because I think some too many, too many times we, <clears throat> in the positivity world, we think that you always have to be positive no matter what. And it's like, no, you gotta be human, right? <clears throat> Let those human yeah. emotions flow. But then once you go through that, then take a step back and say, okay, let me, let me look at the bigger picture of things. Let me reset everything. And then let's see how this all goes or how this is going to play out. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And so when we look at, so we got, we talked about, you know, the cancer and that in your book, how about like wrong relationships? Um, uh, what's the, I can go so many avenues with this. Uh, what, let, let's, <laughs> okay. let's just, die. I'll just go very broad in general. And we'll see if take it from there. But when it comes to in your book, you talk about wrong relationships. You mind just tapping in a little bit to that. Yeah. Um, well, I've, you know, we're all looking for our soulmate, right. And so I, that's what I was looking for. And, uh, I, you know, you just meet the wrong people along the way. So before I met who I really do believe now he's my husband. Um, I really believe he's my soulmate from the moment I met him. Um, but I, I met some other people who weren't. <laughs> uh, and one of them was a boyfriend that I had when I was in film school. So I'd left SeaWorld to go to film school, um, had been there for a few months, started dating this, this person up there. And um, so when I found out that I had cancer, I left a message with him. And he just didn't ever call me back ever. <laughs> and uh, on so that was on Thanksgiving, actually, that I left the message. That was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. He doesn't call back nothing. So Tuesday, I ended up calling him back. Um, but this time, not from my phone, but from my aunt's phone, because I was with my aunt at the time. And her phone number was enlisted. So he picked up. And I said, hi, it's Joy. And he hung up on me. And that was actually the moment where I felt, I didn't describe it before, but that was when I felt really angry and I felt the pain in, in that lump because I was so angry that someone would do that to another human being. Um, and honestly, I think it was a blessing that that happened because he was obviously the wrong person to be with. But in the moment, it felt pretty horrible <laughs> um, to have someone do that to you. And, I, and, and then even after that, when I was recovering from cancer, I started dating someone else um, because I thought, oh, it'd be such a wonderful love story 
story because uh, we, <laughs> he fell in love with me when I didn't have any hair, you know, and it, but I initially, before I started dating this person, I knew he wasn't right, but I just, you know, went for it anyway. And I, it ended up being a four and a half year relationship that was just wrong. And it was when I finally had the strength to say no to him, um, you know, and st- we broke up, but he kept coming back. And I finally like said no. And because he asked me to marry him at the very end, I said no to that. And that was last time um, that I saw him. And, and that night I went out to go to a, a place with all my friends from SeaWorld. And that's when I met my husband. So all of this is in the book, you know, um, it's just kind of magical. There's like, it's real life magic when things like that happen, when you have the the strength to get out of a bad relationship and then just to be there for yourself. And then it's kind of crazy how things start to work out and then who you're supposed to be with um, comes into the picture. So this is the person I'm absolutely without a doubt supposed to be with. I love that. Now, when it comes to like your relationships, is it one of the things where in that journey of yours, how did you change and evolve, right? Like some people say there's a soulmate, you have a soulmate, it's just going to happen. Some people say we're all soulmates. It's when you're ready for the person, the person shows up. Um, so many so many different stories on how that all works. But the, the thing I'm like, did you have a better, like you had a, you learned from that. Like, like for me, for example, I'll, I'll kind of phrase my story and I'll get into the, ask the yeah. question, but it's like, I learned the most about me through failed relationships. I learned what I, I, I was doing wrong. I learned how, what I was, what I was seeking was wrong or thought what I thought would be great. And I had to change things around. And what it really was is just being more authentic, more vulnerable, and just my relationship with myself and just stop being a person who had to be like right all the time and make sure I did everything correct to just like, I'm going to make mistakes. It's fine. I'm going to own them. And I'm going to be a better person as I mold myself through this. Did you learn through that process? Was it kind of like that? You're like, oh yeah, I catch why this happened here. Well, look what I did here. I could see that there to help open the door to allow the opportunity. So then your partner comes into the picture and it's like, boom, here we go. This is the person I'm supposed to be with. Uh, Yeah, I think it's, you know, I guess with the guy from film school, I was warned about him before I started dating him. Like, be careful. That guy's a jerk. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, thanks. Started dating him anyway. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I, I, I would say like, listen to people when they say that kind of stuff. But um, with the other relationship that was four and a half years, I have never, I think it was just, I wasn't strong enough because it was after cancer and I, I felt very broken as a person, um, just broken down in every way. And so I didn't feel like the strong joy because I felt like I was a strong person before that. And then it's like, I used up all of my strength when I was battling cancer and the person that I was before it was, I wasn't that person anymore. I was a little bit different. And so I wasn't as strong to say, no, that I didn't want to be in this relationship with this person, um, you know, uh, right off the bat. And so that just, because I wasn't strong, I was in the wrong relationship, but the beauty of that, and my husband points this out, is that if I hadn't been in that wrong relationship for four and a half years, I probably would have met someone else and married that person and not found Alex, who is my husband. Like he's he, Alex is the most amazing person. He's the reason why I've been able to write this book. He's the reason why I've been able to speak at TEDx. He's the reason why I started the program for kids at children's, sorry, from uh, for kids um, from Children's Hospital at SeaWorld. He is 
all of it. Um, he has been a part of every single aspect of my life that has been incredible. And not to mention the fact that I have two kids and we were told that we couldn't have kids. And he was like, well, I don't believe that. Let's, let's, you know, see what else we can do to, to try to have kids. Um, he's been the most amazing person in my life. So, you know, uh, he looked at it as a blessing that I had been with the wrong person for that long. Cause he held me in place until he could find me. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. And it's also amazing too. I mean, it sounds an amazing relationship to where you have someone who supports you and it's like, no, we're going to figure this out together, right? Teamwork. We're going to go together with this and we're going to go through this together. Um, I think that's highly important in life in general for those, you know, looking at relationships. You can get all the relationship advice in the world, but what you're just sharing there, uh, I think it, it is really critical. I mean, even in my own marriage, it's one of the things where uh, I always tell people like my, without my wife, there's a lot of things I would, um, I wouldn't say I couldn't aspire to because I would have done it anyhow in some way, shape or form, but having the support having someone to lean on, I can be the, I can be vulnerable. I can open up, I can share, um, no judgment, just pure unconditional love. And it's like, that is just what, you know, refires me back up. And it's one of those things where very, very critical to have. And I love that. Yeah. Um, so kudos to that. But when it comes to, you know, the, four, the other part, I think you talked about in your book was like giving back, correct. And I know you're doing an amazing program for kiddos with cancer. How much does that feed your soul? It, it's pretty incredible to feel like something that you're doing is making a difference in other people's lives. Uh, and I, and I really hope that they grow up and they do the same thing for other people in their own way. And they're able to give back to kids that are going through a difficult time too. So um, yeah, it, absolutely. It's, it was incredible. And you know, it was really incredible. So basically the program, by the way, is it's a, program where we bring, bring kids from children's hospital into the water and they get to meet a dolphin. And so I would always introduce them to the animal and then I'd have some other trainers helping me out. And after a while, I realized that they didn't know my story, which I thought was really huge because they, they need to see an example of someone who's been through it and someone who's on the other side and not only surviving, but thriving. And so before I'd get into the water with them, I'd say, Hey, I know a lot of you guys have been treated at children's hospital. I was treated there too. About 10 years ago, I had cancer and I was treated at children's hospital, Los Angeles. Um, but now I get to work here at my dream job and I get to share it with you. And so it just opened up these magical moments and these kids would start opening up to me and say, you know, I have leukemia, but I just try to be positive every day. Or another kid would say, I have a brain tumor. You know, like they would just all talk to me about it. And it was just a quick moment, but it was a moment so that they know that they can get through it and that there's hope on the other side of what they're going through. So the, um, yeah, that was, that was definitely a huge thing. And if it, it's very meaningful and it's not just meaningful to me, and it's not just meaningful to the kids and to the parents. But what I saw when I was at work is it was very, very meaningful to all of my coworkers because they would come up to me separately, privately, and before the interaction, you know, like a week or so out before it would happen. And they would ask me if, if they could be a part of it because it meant a lot to them to be a part of it and to, to give back and to help these kids. And um, it happened every single year where people would come to me and it's like in this private, like earnest kind of a way and, and just really from their heart asked me to be a part of it. And so I realized how much it meant to them. And we have a great job. You know, we, we play with dolphins all day. So it, it was really wonderful. And to see that that meant so much to them was really touching. And it just, it just kind of goes back to 
how much it means to everyone to be able to give back in some way, whether it's that or, or what, whatever we do. And I think when we're touched by something, for me, I was touched by cancer. So I would have never done a program like this if I hadn't been touched by cancer. So whatever part of our life is, has been affected by something, um, the blessing in that is that we, our eyes are open to that. And then we can do something to help other people who are going through that and to make the situation better. So um, yeah, it's, it's been an incredible journey with that. I love that. Bringing a lot of hope and a lot of joy to the world by doing that. When, when um, this is a question, sometimes when I ask uh, people who've gone through trauma or had a, you know, illness that they had to go through and so forth, when you look back on everything and you kind of answered this already a little bit, but when you go back and look at everything, how much do you look back at cancer being a blessing in your life or how grateful you, you went through that experience? I'm grateful I went through that experience because I didn't know how loved I was. I felt this immense outpouring of love when I was sick because I, first of all, I let people know. I think a lot of times when people are sick with cancer, a lot of times they don't let people know. Um, but I was like, yes, tell everyone. <laughs> so uh, I had uh, people from all over SeaWorld, people I didn't know coming up to visit me, um, people I didn't know, obviously, coming up to visit me and spend time with me. So I, and my family, I mean, my friends, I felt this immense outpouring of love, which I think a lot of people don't ever get to experience in their lives um, because, you know, it happens after you die and all those people say, oh, I love this person, you know, but I got to experience that kind of love while I was still alive, which was huge. And I do feel like it's given me more of a direction and a purpose in life um, to be able to give back and to help other people who are going through the same situation. And that's exactly why I wrote the book was to, to help other people so they can read a story of what they're going through and see that it ends with me not only being happy, but being better off than I was before. Something I, I know as an author myself, I, you know, I look back at, you know, I get this asked often when I, my first book, my second book, third book, third book, I'm going to start working on soon. They always ask like, who are you, who, why do you continue to write? What's the importance of it? And, and for me, it's always been, um, I wish I had someone tell me that in my past. I wish I had a book like this that I could have read that would have helped a lot. Does your book, is it also, I know I asked why you wrote the book, but I'm just curious, did you also write the book to, because you it, it would this would have been a book, something you, you would have loved to have read when you were going through that experience? Yeah, absolutely. When I was going through this experience, um, there was Lance Armstrong's book that was out and th that was a great, really interesting book to read and, and it gave hope to people. But for me, being a female and going through this and losing my hair and the, just a lot of the things I was going through, um, I didn't see that reflected in the story because it, it couldn't have been. I mean, it's he's a guy. First of all, I, I think he's done a lot of great things. I know he gets a lot of flack, but he's done some pretty incredible things in his life. Um, but I, I wanted to read a story that was similar to mine. I want to see a girl who lost her hair and was going through, you know, the horrible parts of cancer, but then makes it out the other side. And that's the thing. My book also has photographs. So you see me, you know, all happy at SeaWorld playing with dolphins. And then, um, when I get sick and, my brother shaving my head. And then, you know, afterwards when I get better and me marrying my husband and, you know, it's like, it's full circle, it's everything. So uh, just to be able to see someone else who's been through it, um, I think is just tremendous. And this is the book that I would have wanted to read when I was sick. And I know you documented all this in, in a film. Is this going to be eventually a documentary down the road? Oh, there he is. <laughs> oh, it is. Awesome. Yeah. It went to film festivals in 2000. Gosh, 
now we're not remembering 2008, 2008, and it won awards at each film festival it went to. Um, I was selling it online for a while, but now I just uploaded it this this past year actually to YouTube, just so that if anyone wants to watch it, they can watch it. And and that's it. So if you go to YouTube, you can actually look up my documentary. It's called Just One Year: The Story, wait, a story of triumph over cancer. I love that. I'll have to check that out. <laughs> Well, Joy, this has been an awesome chatting with you. And 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 before we wrap up, I want to be able to just give you the opportunity. How can people get your book? Where is it located? How can people follow you, see what you're up to, what you're doing, and so forth? Sure. Um, I'm sorry. Someone's blowing outside. I don't know if you can hear that. But let's see. You can get my book at Amazon.com. So if you go there and look up Joy, the story of a dolphin trainer, filmmaker, and cancer survivor, it's there. You can see it's got like... I, I released it in April of this year and it's gotten like 65 all five-star reviews. So it's, it's great. And what else? Um, and then you can go into my website, which is www.joyclausensoto.com. If you want to get a hold of me and get a hold of me there. I'm also on LinkedIn a lot. So if you'd like to just look me up on LinkedIn and we can connect and start talking, just go ahead and do that. Awesome. For everyone who's listening, I will have all that good stuff in the show notes. Joy, I appreciate all that you're doing. I appreciate bringing the joy and light to people through your story, uh, helping inspire others through something that can seem like an extremely dark world for them when that happens. So I appreciate you doing the work and thanks for taking the time to share with the listeners here at the Mindful Experiment. Great. Thank you so much. I'm so happy I got to talk to you. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.